Welcome to Bible Gum, the show that brings you Bible insights, lessons, and humor three times per week. And I'm your host, Taj. So over the last two days, I've been having conversations with a pastor from another church. He has been desperately trying to convince me that my salvation is invalid. In fact, he said that the process has started, however, it was not complete. Obviously, I love talking about the Bible, or else I wouldn't have spent that much time speaking about it. After all, the man's trying to convince me that I'm going to hell. He was very respectful about it, and I genuinely appreciate his enthusiasm. Because after all, if I truly was lost, I should be thankful that he's willing to take so much time and effort to persuade me of the faith. But before I get into all the nitty-gritty details, let me warm up my voice with the theme song. I want my Bible gum, Bible gum, Bible gum, Bible gum, Bible gum. A saying that I've always appreciated when studying the Bible is major on the majors and minor on the minor. Far too often, these long, drawn-out conversations and quote-unquote debates evolve over the most minute details. However, in this case, salvation is by far the most important thing to understand in the Bible. It doesn't matter if you understand what day you're supposed to worship, what clothes to wear, what words to say, what to eat, what to drink, and all those other things if at the end of the day you don't know how to get to heaven. As we've covered many times on this podcast, salvation is through faith in the gospel. Putting your faith in the shed blood of Jesus Christ as the only payment for your sins is how you get to heaven. However, various groups will say there are many things that you need to do, and believing that is only the start of the process. And oftentimes, big Theological words get involved that you need a dictionary to even understand what the conversation is about. But the gospel is by far the simplest, most basic thing in the Bible. And I often use the example of my grandmother. My grandmother is not one to grasp very complex things. I would not be able to speak to her on the phone and direct her to find a file on my laptop. In fact, I'm not even sure if she's ever used a computer in her life. However, if you ask the lady how to get to heaven, she will explain it to you as if she were a preacher. A somewhat bashful, quiet lady of few words knows exactly what to say when I ask that question. She would have a much more difficult time explaining where I would find something she had stored in her own closet. But when it comes to the gospel, her directions are clear as day. So many times we get into these big discussions about what one church believes versus another church. It comes down to how you define words. As I always say when someone is attacking my faith, it is not my job to persuade anyone to believe what I believe. My responsibility is to simply defend and share what I believe. At the end of the day, it is a work of God in that individual, and it's between that person and God. A preacher or believer that is spreading the word is simply throwing the seed. It's scattering on the ground, and in reality, that person gets really no credit for what comes afterwards. But when it came down to my salvation, the topic that kept coming up over and over was the fact that I believe I am saved through my faith, not what I do. I believe that a person that has faith in Jesus Christ will do good things. However, doing good things does not change what a person believes. But instead of going into all the six hours of everything that we covered between yesterday and today, I will simply read four Bible verses. and Ask you, am I crazy for believing that I am saved by faith? And am I crazy for thinking that these verses are speaking of a person that has eternal life in the present tense, not in the future or some far off time, but these verses make it seem like a believer, a child of God can know that they are saved through faith today. So I will simply read the four verses 
And I invite you to go back and read the full passage so that way you can't say I'm taking anything out of context. Read it for yourself. And then I would like to know, what do you think? Am I wrong? Am I missing something? And if so, what is it that I'm missing that won't contradict whatever else the Bible says? Because after all, if the Bible contradicts itself, it cannot be true. So here we go. The first verse I will read is 1 John 5, 13. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. This is entirely in the present tense. The writer says that ye may know ye have eternal life. That doesn't seem like the future to me. When I presented this verse, I was told that was directed only to that church. It was a specific letter written to that church. So therefore, I cannot use that verse to determine my own salvation. Okay, what do you think about that? Now let's read John 3.15, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. We've covered this verse many times, so I really don't need to go much further. The whosoever believeth in him not will have but have eternal life. Now John 3.36, he that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not on the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. Now, there's a lot of thus in that verse. However, hath and has is basically the same word. Just a little bit more fancy for the King James times. Now, let's take a look at John 5, verse 24. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation but is passed from death unto life. Here we go again. Hath everlasting life. Also notice where it says shall come into condemnation, meaning shall come into the judgment. But also in the next part it says, but is passed from death unto life. So in other words, the condemnation, the eternal fire and damnation of hell, if you will, is in the future. However, is passed from death unto life. That is in the present tense. The word is. So if you're looking at the tenses in all these words, there is the present tense strongly when it pertains to the everlasting life. I don't know what your dictionary says, but hath and has are present. That is definitely not some distant time in the future. And in all four of those verses, and trust me, there are plenty more. There are actually at least 50 passages, not just verses, but 50 plus passages in the New Testament which will support this. There's no contradictions whatsoever. However, I had to spend over six hours defending my position on this. Am I perfect? No, absolutely not. Can I misunderstand things? Absolutely. There's so many times that I reread a verse and say, wait a minute, I missed a word. Was that word always there? Well, obviously it was, but I just never saw it. For some reason, I skipped over it. Or maybe there was just a concept that I just couldn't understand. Maybe I've never experienced that type of thing. So when I get the advice, I breeze through it. But when life hits me and I'm going through that and I read the verse again, I say, wait a minute, was that always there? And again, yes, it always was. I just never saw it at the time. So what's this having eternal life business, you might ask? Well, I simply say that is something in the present tense. A person that possesses eternal life is someone that is saved, a.k.a. a child of God, a born again, a Christian, a believer, a saint. There's so many words describing the same thing. And there are so many verses in the Bible where that is presented in the present tense. 
Now, are those just special people and only they can know that they were saved at that time? Or can you look at it and say, well, if that person knows that they're saved, then people today can be saved and know it. I like to think the latter. However, as we all know, I am open for discussion. And by the way, trust me, I do not recommend sitting with someone for six plus hours defending your own faith. It is exhausting. And honestly, right now, I feel like I was carrying bricks and cements for the last, I don't know, 24 hours without a lunch break. When I was leaving, I had a headache. But you know what? It was great fun in the sense that it was a respectful conversation. And I really, truly got the opportunity to understand where he was coming from. And I learned a lot, actually. I really did. At the end of the day, I walked away from it not agreeing with him, but I have a better understanding of his point of view. And I think a lot of times that's where the whole conflict comes in. People are so afraid to speak, you know, religion and politics and all these different things, even sports, because people are afraid of other people's opinions. I don't think you should be afraid of other viewpoints and other things like that. I think you should be able to sit down with someone that thinks something completely different and have a sane, intelligent, respectful conversation. And in the case of salvation, I actually am not offended that he's doubting my salvation. For one, he's a pastor. It is his job to spread the gospel. Well, it, it is all of our jobs, but it's literally his job to spread the gospel. And he did it in a very respectful way. I, at no point did I ever feel that he was laughing at me, disrespecting me, or just really insulting me. I mean, he spoke very calmly and expressed his concern. And honestly, nothing is wrong with that. So what thinkest thou? Am I crazy? Let me know. I know I dropped a lot of verses and all sorts of things, and I was just all over the place in this episode. However, the topic is all over the Bible. I mean, honestly, I could have spent all day and all night just dropping verse after verse and passage after passage. They all say the same thing in the sense that they point to the same salvation and the same lesson. But four is plenty. Now I'm going to go drink some water or Gatorade or something. I have to recharge my body after all of that. And here's the best part. He wants to meet again. Will I do it? Probably. Also, in your feedback and your comments, let me know. Do you think I'm crazy for actually wanting to go through this again? Don't worry, I won't take it personal. You can find additional information at BibleGum.org or on Twitter and Instagram at BibleGumPodcast. And remember, share your BibleGum with a friend. You can listen and share for free on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or any podcast app. Thanks for listening. Until next time, later.